I had told the mission team when we got up there, I said, you know, as we lift up there, I said, there's one question that they always asked us, or two, actually, where are you from and why are you here? We were out eating one night, and Jimmy ordered, and that woman said, where are you from? So I told you. Uh, but it was a wonderful, wonderful experience, and I praise God, and I want to say here in front of you, I am so proud of this team. Words cannot express that maybe they will share with you some of the situations and circumstances we were in and some of the stories behind it, but we pray by being able to use, be used by Christ that somehow, shape, form, or fashion, we give them a message of hope that will be used for God's glory. And I thank you so much for allowing us the opportunity to, to pray for us as we went up there. And it was just an awesome, awesome, awesome time, which there again, God laid upon my heart this message for this morning. And pardon me, because this is a tough one. Many years ago, my grandmother lived in a nursing home in Anderson, South Carolina. And every time I visited her, I'll never forget this, that there was a man that sit in that lobby with a fedora on, dressed to the tees with a little bag. Every time. It didn't matter what day I went, he was always there. And I finally watched him one day, and he said, today's the day. Today's the day. You see, he lived in the hope that one day his family would come back and get him. He wanted to go home. And 33 years later, that sticks in me. That a man did not know, but every single day, he, they let him dress to his tee, put on his hat with his little bag, desiring to go home. You see, the reason that touches me is I want to share with you something. We are pilgrims in a dark world. First Peter was written because during this time, Nero was in control of Rome. Nero used to take Christians, set them, uh, put, our, put our tar on them, and use them to light his portico. And we think we suffer. And he would write this word to say, look, we can be lights in a dark world. We can shine for Christ amongst a culture that hates Christ. You can live there. So can you. We can be lights in a world of dark. Because why? Just like that man desired to go home, this is what all of us need to remember. We're just pilgrims here if you're in Christ. You're here for a while. Not long. You're on a journey. Everybody on this earth is on a journey. Either you're walking with Christ or you're running from Him. There's no other two explanations. But I pray as we go through this that you'll understand what it means to be a true pilgrim. Please turn in your Bibles, if you will, to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2. Please stand with me as we read the Word of God. And I want to take, take, share this with you real quick. 
I even got this text this week. Chad, what version do you preach out of? I want to clear this up. I use the NASB 1995. Okay? Why? When I went to college many years ago, I had a professor that made a mark on my life that said this. When I preach, I use the Greek New Testament in one hand and the NASB in the other so I can, to the best of my ability, say, Thus saith the Lord. Now that goes to show you, are other translations wrong? No. But I use the NASB, and I read that, I study that, and I want to tell you, people ask me then, what is the best translation? And hear this good. How about a red one? Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, may we take the words that you have given us, your words that are God-breathed. Let them reflect upon our heart. But Lord, not only are we to be receivers of the word, we're to be doers of the word. That God, each and every one of us would be used for your glory. Lord, clothe us. Protect us, empower us to share the good news of your Son, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, you may be seated. The pilgrimage of life is a deeply interesting subject. Coextensive with human nature, every individual of our race is upon a pilgrimage. From the cradle to the grave... It is the, progress, is the progress of the soul through time to enter upon a boundless eternity, beset on all sides at every avenue and at every moment with spiritual foes of the deepest subtlety, journeying from the commencement to the close of the course through the enemy's country. Journeying from the commencement to the close of the course through an enemy's country. Uncertain of the term of existence, certain only that it must terminate and usher us into an eternal state, either of exquisite happiness or awful misery. John Bunyan, Pilgrim's Progress. Every one of us are on a pilgrimage. We have been called by God to be as aliens and strangers. Now I want to Focus on this because we must go into context to see what Peter is saying. In the first part of the chapters, he said, You are a royal priesthood, a chosen race, called by God, used by God. Be holy. Because there's something that should separate us from the word world that does not believe in Christ, and that's our lives. People are either following Christ or they're running from Him. There's no other in between. You either believe the Bible, you believe that God is who He says He is, and you live for Him or you don't. You can't ride a fence. And He says, I urge you as aliens and strangers. Why would He call them aliens and strangers? Because listen to me. You are strangers in a foreign land if you are a born-again believer amongst the lost. 
You are different. You're an alien. You're a sojourner. You are here for a little while. And see, that should be the mentality of every born-again believer in Jesus Christ. You can either love Christ or you can love the world. You can't love both. See, I want to tell you something interesting about being a wanderer or a pilgrim. You see, when we were at this shelter working, most of the people were younger people. They were wanderers. They were out looking for something that they will never find. And it's reconciliation for the God-sized hole that only Christ can fill. But you are pilgrims and aliens in a land where you live as light to those in darkness. You have a purpose. See, your journey is to glorify God. Their journey is to glorify themselves. So we're to live as aliens in this world. Which means this, every one of you, if you're a Christian, you should have the mentality that I'm only here for a season. What is it that keeps us from serving Christ? Either you serve Christ or you serve the world. Now see, I told these guys when we were going up there, and I'm so proud, I can't, I'm telling you. Yes, we worked with people that may have been violent. We worked with people that didn't have no homes. We worked where they were bed bugs. But where would Christ be? There is not a single soul that is a born-again believer should not have the mentality that this world is not my home. And our job is to make things a little lighter for those who are on a path. I see so many people that claim to be believers that hang on to so many material things. That's not being, listen, that's not being a pilgrim. That's being a dweller. You will see the difference in the book of Revelation. Those that are called believers, those that are called believers are called pilgrims. Those that want to stay on this earth are called dwellers. you either a pilgrim for a while that is looking for a heavenly home, or you're a dweller that makes heaven right here and right now. There's no in-between. Shadow, you saying it's wrong to have things? No, but I'll tell you this. Your things will bring you down. Because what you try to grasp will not bring you satisfaction. I don't care if you have seven camels, four aardvarks, four cars, and three houses. Somebody else own them when you die. And you can rest assured that you're going to die. But see, just like that man that longed for home, I longed for home. You know what? You can have 160 Rector Street. Because I know my home is not built by someone who with human hands, but built by the hands of the Heavenly Father. You should desire that. You should desire to see others come to know that. Those that do not have homes that we were serving and trying to minister to, we're looking for something greater that they will never find. But through the message of the gospel, they can find reconciliation in their home that is not of this earth where rust and moth can destroy, but a home made by God's hands that is eternal. Do you believe that? We're to live as strangers. I used to always want to retire and maybe go preach at the beach and suffer for Christ on some golden coast. God never called me there. I've been north, been south, been in between. But God made it very clear to me, you don't go where you go. You go where I send you. And I'm glad to be in South Carolina. But if God calls me to Ireland and He shows me that, then I'll go. 
because my world is not of this home, this earth. What do we cling on to? Are you a pilgrim or are you a dweller? I urge you as aliens to abstain from fleshly lust. I think this is very interesting to me. You see, if you are a believer, he says to abstain. Stop. If you're living in sin, quit. Chad, that's not easy. You don't know what I deal with. Then remove the obstacle. Not everybody has the opportunity to work around Christian people. A lot of us work in the industry or work in the restaurants or work in different places where you are around people. Chad, you don't know who I deal with. But God knows. Greater is He who lives in you than He is in the world. If you have the Spirit, He has given you the ability to abstain. Well, Chad, I do. I pray for God to deliver me. Listen, we are to pray that God lead us not into temptation. But let me tell you something very serious. You have the choice whether you give in to temptation or not. That's your choice. And he says, abstain, stop, fleshly lust which wage war against the soul. Do you realize when you are living a life contrary to Christ, how much does it destroy you, but how much does it destroy other people? He says to abstain. Well, Chad, what do you mean to abstain? Let me tell you a cool story. You see, there's a man named Job from the land of Uz. And Satan goes before God and says, Hey, I've been pondering hearing about. Hey, he said, you not consider my servant Job? He is a man that turns from evil. That's what it means to abstain, to turn. Chad, you don't understand. You don't realize what I, the pressure I have. You don't realize what I'm around. You don't realize that I could lose my job. You don't realize that people make fun of me. You don't realize that I will lose friends. Let me tell you something. Then you don't realize who Christ is. Hear me. Because if you're a stranger to this world, they may take everything you have, but they can't take your soul because that belongs to Christ. Either you dwelling in this world or you living apart from it. My grandmother, when she passed away, she wanted me to sing a song by the, by the name of Beulah Land, written by Squire Parson. It says, I am homesick for a city to which I've never been before. That should be you. No, I haven't been there, but there's enough in this word that tells me I want to go. Like I said, you can have 160 Rector Street. You can have that Nissan that's in the truck or in the parking lot. You know why, Cheddar? You being flippant with this? You really believe that? I tell you what I believe. I know now more than ever that Christ is my Savior. I know now more than ever that He'll sustain me. I know now more than ever, no matter how many jobs I work or how much I have in my 401k, that He, this stuff is not my provider. Christ is. If you'll look at it from a monetary perspective, my life insurance is worth more of me dead than it is alive. But somebody will spend it too. You can have it. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow, neither are you. But when you have a home mentality that's away from this place, you'll know what it's like. And you'll understand missions. You'll understand service. 
you will understand what it means to serve Christ with all your heart because you have that realization that Christ is above all. He says, abstain from fleshly lust. Let me ask a question. How serious are you about your sin? Chad, I struggle. Are you serious? God rest his soul. Great friend of mine. He spoke at my ordination. His name was Jerry Murray. I'd go to Jerry. Man, I messed up again, Jerry. Well, I messed up again. Remove the obstacle, Chad. Chad, I messed up again, man. Messed up again. All right, I messed up again, Jerry. I messed up again. Chad, remove the obstacle. Finally, he had a come to Jesus moment with me. He grabbed me and he pushed me up against the wall. And he was a big man. He said, how serious about your salvation? Because not only are you destroying yourself, you're destroying your testimony in front of others. That hurt. Is that you? Abstain from that which causes you to fall. Which, man, we're Christians. We're not perfect, but we're forgiven. If that's your mentality, you need to reevaluate your life. Because grace is not a hall pass to live like hell. And if you live like hell, and I want you to all look at me in the eyes when I say this. I want to make this perfectly clear. If you live like hell and have no conviction of it, I promise you, you'll make it there. Well, I've been gone a week and he's tore up, ain't he? That's something. He says, put away our fleshly lust and wage war the way war against the soul. And look what he says. And keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. This is your testimony. In context, it's this. You have Jews and Gentiles. Jews, which are Jews, Hebrews, and Gentiles. That's anybody that's not a Jew. Okay? So Jews and the rest of the world. But he says this. Keep your behavior Excellent among the Gentiles. People that hadn't had the word revealed to them yet. The people that are watching your every move. The people that you work with that hate your guts. The people that you work with that complain all the time. The people that you're around that don't like life. The people that are around you that hate everybody they've ever come in contact with. Live excellent in front of them. Why? Listen. So that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God. You hear what I'm saying? Listen to me. It can take you years to build your testimony and only two seconds to destroy it. Listen. We're to live right lives in front of people. Charles Spurgeon said this, you are not to be disturbers of the peace. You are Christian people. You Christian people are to cultivate the spirit of consolation wherever you dwell. Submitting yourself for the Lord's sake, even to come things which you do not like. You know, I don't think of anybody that would want to go wallow around in places where they have bed bugs and we have to leave every day and we have to take our clothes off in a separate room and go wash them each night because of the potential. But you know what? Inside those places are souls that need Jesus. We don't get to pick and choose who we share the gospel to. And when he said go, it wasn't a suggestion, it was a command. Amen? That was horrible. When he said go, it wasn't a suggestion. 
It was a command. Chad, I'll sit right here and praise God and His name and peace be with you. Time you get up and go to. You see, understand this. The mission field is not in Pennsylvania only, nor in Ireland, nor in Africa. That Pennsylvania, that mission field is right out here. It's out those doors. It's at Bojangles. It's at the clock. It's at your place that you work. And let me tell you something. If you're not willing to share the gospel with your family and the own people that you work with, I can promise you you're not going to share it on the mission field. Our excellent behavior should be the Gentiles. They should see that we're Christians. They should see that we love Christ. Do we get frustrated? Man, I got frustrated so bad Monday, I cannot tell you how frustrated I got. I'm an electrician. It was whooping me. A light fixture. Jimmy had to bail me out. Then Justin came up there. We're all frustrated. But you know what? We kept on and we got the task. Well, Chad, what does this have to do with anything? What if I'd have picked that light fixture up and threw it across the parking lot with all those people sitting out there watching me? What if I'd been again to curse and rant and rage when some of you hit your finger and you do such? But I love Jesus. What testimony does that say? Yeah, I wasn't happy. I walked off. He got upset. He walked off. Justin got upset. We all walked off. But you know what? We come back. How we react shows a lot about us. Does our behavior show us we're excellent upon Gentiles? Does our testimony hold water? Because listen to me, this is where the rubber meets the road. If our evidence of Christ in our life does not hold water, do you think they're going to listen to what you have to say? They're not. Because we're no different than they. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may because of your good deeds as they observe them glorify God. Maybe they'll say, hey, they really believe what they say they believe. Maybe they really believe that there's something greater than this world because they believe their life is not of this world. Our job and our calling should be excellent. I'll never forget one mission trip I went on. We had this person that was with us that was upset about everything. They got upset because we stayed in a shelter. They got upset because they didn't like the food. They got upset because it was hot. They got upset because they had to ride with somebody they didn't like. And this whole trip, they did more complaining than they did serving. And not only did they do it so much, that when we went out to eat with the host of this place, they complained about the food to him. Let me tell you the moral of the story. We weren't asked back. It wasn't here, okay? It's been a long time ago. But here's my point. I had to write and apologize. Let me tell you something. Our worst day is sometimes 100% better than somebody's greatest. And if we love Christ, our lives should reflect that. He says, keep your behavior excellent. Look, so what does that mean? 
That means our life, whether through encouragement, whether through our deeds, should be that that reflects Christ's glory. In J.R. Tolkien's book, The Hobbit, the wizard Gandalf explains why he was selected, why he selected a small hobbit like Bilbo to accompany the dwarves to fight the enemy. Listen. He says, Saruman believes it is only great power that can hold evil in check. But that is not what I have found. I found it is the smell, it is the small everyday deeds of ordinary folk that keep the darkness at bay. Small acts of kindness and love. That when people see you out there every day, no matter what you're going through, you smile because you know something. You have someone holding you that is greater than anything else in this world. That people will see that. People want to see what is it that gives you the hope that you have. Oh, let me tell you. His name is Jesus Christ. That's the hope that I have. And everything that we do should reflect Him. You see, we're to keep darkness at bay at all times. To be pure in front of other people. Not only to be pure in our homes, because it starts in our homes, but to be pure in front of other people. You see, there's a little, this, you gotta look this up. There's this little creature in Europe and Asia called the ermine. Now what it looks like is a weasel. But in the winter, it runs a clear, I mean, just a beautiful sparkly white coat to blend in with the snow. And he is so, so, so dependent on making sure his white coat stays white. Now, when they go to capture this animal, they don't put a little trap out for him. They don't put a snare for him, no. They hunt him with dogs. But the way they catch the ermine is they will trash his home. They'll find out where he lives and put grime and dirt and everything. So when the ermine starts running from the dogs, it won't go into his house because it's more concerned with its purity than it is with its death. Did you hear that? More concerned with its purity than it is its death. Because it wants that white coat clean. Every one of us should be more concerned about our purity than whatever the world can throw at us. Chad, are you perfect? No. But never should I live my life as I'm excused for every behavior I tend to want to go to. We are to abstain because we are pilgrims. Be pure in front of the Gentiles. Do what God's called us to do. That they may glorify God. Brothers and sisters, I want to share with you something that, that I just want to close this with. It's not going to be a long sermon. By no mean. And I know that's a rarity. But my point is this. We live in a dark world. We live in a world that is continually growing darker. Not that it's continually growing darker as much as we're more aware of it. Social media. But it's a sinful world. Now, we can all be content to come in and sit on Sunday and say, you know what, that's great, I'll hit you again next week. Maybe show up on Wednesday or Sunday, maybe not. My job as a pastor is not to entertain you. If you want to be entertained, I'll take you fishing. You should be pretty good at it. If you want to be entertained, I'll sit there and tell you dad jokes. But if you want to grow in Christ and be used for His glory to the best of our ability, 
climb in the car and ride with me. You see, I'm going to tell you something that the vision I want to cast today, and I want everybody to hear this very clearly this day. I want to be a church that plants churches. I want to be a church that disciples people. That's what we do what we do on Sunday mornings on Wednesday nights. We have to make other believers. Or not make other believers. Let me back. We must disciple other believers. We don't make believers. God makes believers. We need to disciple believers. My vision is to see people come to Jesus Christ, be discipled, and share the good news that others may become believers. And I pray that you get on this journey with me. I'm not going to be here and promote that we should tell Carrie that we should get, you know, rock, that, 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 that ice, or what it's called, that ice that makes smoke on the stage. And listen to me clearly. I'm not here to build kids' programs that makes everybody happy that I can drop my kid off for two and a half hours that they may learn something and play video games. I'm not about programs. I'm not about entertainment. You say, you all these churches are wrong? I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is this. We have taken the Word of God and the seriousness of His holiness and threw it out the door and replaced it with things that make us happy. I will not do that. Because I'm going to tell you why. Your eternity is at stake. And so is this world. But I tell you what we will do. We'll grow and we'll love together. And as Living Way Community Church, we'll take care of our family. I believe we've got to take care of what's in here before we take care of what's in there, out there. But I want you to hear me real good. I will not beg a soul to join, and I will not beg anybody to stay. Don't do that. But I tell you what I will do. The only message that I will preach is the message of the cross. And I will not back down. And I want you to understand, if you're willing to take this journey, you ride with us and we'll go. But I promise you, you can go anywhere you want to go. And you'll eventually end up somewhere where you'll like what is said. But it don't necessarily mean it'll be God's truth. I watched. I don't want to say kids. They're not kids. They're young adults now or younger people. But I've seen the maturity and I've seen these people work with no electronics. We're not the world to consume them. The only fun they had was me tormenting them and playing ping pong and pool. We didn't do that long. I watched them contribute in the Bible studies. I watched this young girl walk up to complete strangers and say, how can I pray for you? When's the last time you did that? Think about this. We're in the enemy's land. I didn't tell anybody this, but I'll tell you now, folks. You see, where we was working, the violence is so bad, they didn't want to separate and doing certain things because already tires had been slashed and they can't get people to work at this shelter because they're afraid of what might happen to their cars. That's something you didn't know. Chad, why would you do that? Because if it was easy, then everybody would go. That's why there's so many unevangelized places now, because the easy places are taken. My thing is this, and I'm man enough to admit as your pastor, yeah, I'm emotional, but last night I cried. 
Because I've looked at them in young adults and some of them back there sitting there had the guts to talk to people that they didn't know and say there's something greater than what you know now. It touched my heart. I watched every single adult bust their self to serve. And you know what? Yeah, I cried last night. You know why? Not in sadness, but in joy to know that I had to have a part of it, that I got the opportunity. Go with us. Now, you saying you can only do this in Pennsylvania? No. We can do it out that door. As a matter of fact, we got vacation Bible school this week. Pray for us. Get somebody and bring them. They will not seek. They must be sought. They will not come. They must be brought. They do not know, people. They must be taught. Teach them the Word of God. Pray for us. We have a s'mores fellowship. People say, well, I don't know so-and-so. Well, you know what? That's your fault. We're having a s'mores fellowship. What's the s'mores fellowship? We're buying chocolate. You show up. That's kind of weird. But it's also kind of cool. Because I'll show you how many I can eat. I want to get to know you. We want to get to know you. We have dinners the first Wednesday of every night. Or Wednesday of every month. Every night it'd be tough, wouldn't it? The menu changes. You want to know what he believes or he believes or how they are in their life? Come talk to them. And I promise there's enough food and you'll be taking some with you. You want to learn in depth in the Word of God and study of theology, Christology, what we believe as Baptist. Come on Wednesdays and Sunday mornings. We're not here to program you. We're here to disciple you. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You for Your grace. We thank You for Your mercy. And God, I pray most of all, the Lord, if there's somebody that does not have a relationship with You, that You would convict them before it's eternally too late. God, I do not have the power to save a soul. I do not possess that. But what I do possess in my hand is the Word of God that is breathed by You. I don't need anything else. I've got Your Word. God, if there's one struggling that's a born-again believer with sin, Lord, I pray that You convict their heart. Lord, remove the obstacle. Lord, give them the strength. You are greater than the world. And Lord, they have to know that because greater You that lives in us than that is in the world, they can stop. Lord, I pray for courage. I pray for compassion. I pray for mercy. Lord, I pray that each and every person here would catch the vision and dream. Lord, that the vision would be that You would be glorified first and foremost. And my dream is everybody that is discipled burns with a desire to go into the world and share the good news. Lord, not everybody is going to go to a foreign country. Not everybody is going to go to another state. God, we're not all called to. 
But what we are called to do is go. To be a missionary where we live, work, and play. That our lives reflect you in every aspect of our being. And God, it's not popular. Friends get lost, families desert, and feelings get hurt. Lord, we don't have to misbehave for these things to happen. Your word's convicted enough. We don't need to add to, nor do we need to take away. But God, we're to be faithful and share and let you take care of the results. God, I pray for those here today that are under spiritual bondage. And God, I'm a man that will stand up here and believe that there is demonic activity. I believe we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but principalities of the dark. But God, I believe with all my heart that you have greater power over it. We live in a spiritually oppressed world. But Lord, your spirit is greater. God, I pray for those that are under bondage, whether mentally, whether physically. Lord, I pray that there are those that are under the bondage of sickness. God, everything that we deal with is a result of the fall. But God, you have provided a way through your son Jesus Christ that we can be reconciled. You never promised to take away our troubles. God, I will never stand up here and you know preachers health, wealth, and prosperity junk. You never promised us that we would be rich. You never promised us that we would be healthy. But what you did promise us, that you would walk with us through every circumstance in our life, knowing and reassuring in our hearts that we are pilgrims on a journey and this world is not my home. And God will give you the praise and glory for all things. We love you and we thank you. You are so, so worthy of all praise. And all God's people said, stand and let's sing together.